Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. Working at Lincoln Center, it sounds very huge and elevated. And that's what it feels like. Like once you're working there, because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable with, you know, issue of people being different. I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 324 for November 12th, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we got a lot of great stuff for you this week. We've got the actors and creators of Love Child playing at New World Stages. We've got the accidental pervert, Lush and Lively, is back with Disco Hair. We've also got the, the creators of Penang, and we got a very special, you asked for it, another presentation of Broadway Abridged Live, this time with West Side Story. So just a little bit else of what's going on. If you've been following uh, my Facebook account at all, you know that I'm knee-deep in recording all of the vocalists for the BMI Musical Theater Workshop CD, No More Revivals Volume 1. That's going to be coming out on Chickaboom Records at the end of February 2010. I'm producing and engineering and mixing the whole thing. So it's been a very fun project. And if you do want to go to broadwaybullet.com and click on the Facebook link, on the videos tab, there's a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff where you can see a lot of the various stars have been okay with us taping them, recording. So you can see footage of uh, Alice Ripley, Karen Olivo, Gregory Jabara, uh, Stephanie Block, uh, I believe, yeah, Kelly O'Hara is up there too, a bunch of others. So uh, stop by and check that out and be on the lookout for <laughs> the CD. All right, well, we're going to launch right into the episode now. On the boards. Love Child is a new madcap two-hander comedy playing at New World Stages. It's opening night at a show, and actors Daniel Jenkins and Robert Stanton play... Uh, Everybody and their mother. <laughs> um, they also wrote the show, and they're here in the studio to talk about their new crazy invention. How are you guys doing? Great. How are you today, Michael? Thank you for having us. Good. You guys want to introduce yourselves so people can connect uh, the voice to the name? Hi, I'm Robert Stanton. And I'm sitting next to him. I'm Daniel Jenkins. <laughs> okay. So, Daniel, I know you just came out of Mary Poppins. That's and, right. And uh, also uh, originally in Big River. And yeah, yeah. Robert, I know you've done recently Mary Shelley, Coast of Utopia. and Right, Mary Stewart, yeah. Mary Stewart, Coast of sorry. Utopia, yeah. And dozens and dozens of TV and film appearances. Uh, if, if people could see you right now, they'd recognize you. <laughs> oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> I know my mother would. <laughs> so what is Love Child? What, what, what was the impetus? Where did you get together on this? Well, we were doing uh, the Young Playwrights Festival uh, in 1993. We were doing a play by Carter L. Bays, um, who was 18 at the time and who has since gone on to create uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, and Cameron Mannheim was winning the show with us and Paul Bates. And we had a really good time working together on it. And one day there were a couple of folks in the front row who were so very involved in what we were doing and so vocal that they were practically on stage with us. 
<laughs> and then we got off stage and uh, we said to each other, well, clearly they want to be on stage. We should maybe write a play for them. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we got along really well. And I, I think that seed was planted in our heads, but we didn't really act on it uh, for a number of years. Well, and, Daniel had a couple of kids and uh, we were both really busy. And then I think around uh, 2001, we kind of we wrote a screenplay that we uh, buried deservedly, and then uh, we uh, started working on it in earnest again in 2001. Um, we had uh, found a play by Euripides called Ion, which uh, we both got a kick out of because it sort of walked an odd line between comedy and tragedy. And uh, we set about uh, doing an, a modern update of that um, to serve as a framework to be the play that Ethel and Kay, our two very noisy women in the audience, are watching. And uh, <laughs> that was the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, then, so then what is Love Child? Here? Well, Love Child is that event, is, is, <laughs> is actually that uh, play that the two women are watching. Uh, the backstage life uh, before the show. Um, and what happens uh, during uh, an opening night of that show. Um, uh, suffice it to say that uh, the two women in the audience uh, become very involved uh, and have relationships with people in the company. So um, it's a real puzzle. Love Child has uh, kind of evolved into a two-hander. It wasn't initially going to be two people. It was going to be a cast. And then we thought, well, we'll save money. It yeah. will save money, and, and, and we'll actually get to rehearse it while we're writing it. Yeah, the, the, the company of actors who are putting on the play within the play are sort of from the island of misfit actors. They're all broken in some way or another, and one is so broken that she breaks the frame. She quits in the middle of the show, and in order for the show to go on, uh, one of the women in the audience has to come on and carry the tattered flag. And uh, it's, I think, I think... Every theater artist, actor, uh, production staff, director, producer, audience member, everybody's worst nightmare kind of comes to fruition <laughs> in the course of this evening. Shakespeare, Dead and Drag, right? <laughs> uh, well, no. actually, no. That was, that was how uh, it was originally that, that, done. That's, so not, that's not a great yeah, analogy. <laughs> that was me trying to be witty and failing miserably. No, 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 no. but it is. Uh, <laughs> you, you're going to see men acting like women. So yeah, that. definitely. But no dresses. <laughs> no dresses. That's right. No, no elements other than uh, lights and our beautiful set. Um, we do the sound effects as well as all the characters. So yeah. Wow, we make you really had a work. low budget. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're going to have to do the sound effects, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Bravest man in New York right now, our understudy. Yeah. Yeah. Mark so, Amadev. Yeah. Yeah. So then after you got the show together, what, what uh, for the two of you, what was the process of, of finding a producer and actually it getting this It was a long and beautiful process. We, uh, we did a number of presentations. Um, we worked with uh, David Warren. Uh, for a number of years, we went to New York Stage and Film. We've been supported by uh, very generously by Primary Stages, where we had a production of about 21 performances last year. Uh, also supported by the Vineyard Playwrights. I mean, uh, Carl Forsman came on board as our director uh, last year in 2008, um, and both uh, he and David uh, served as uh, terrific dramaturgs for us. Yeah. And uh, what? 
what surprised me was I, I felt really good about what we did last year at primary stages. I thought we'd kind of finished it. And, then, uh, <laughs> and he said, mm, no. And so a lot of the process this time around has been rewriting. Yeah. Um, it's been a real challenge. And yeah. uh, uh, it's changed considerably from when we did it before. Yeah, I mean, as hard as it was just physically and mentally to kind of keep up as actors, uh, Carl's mission has been to make it harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's into... Kind of the athletic nature of the event, which is, you know, people are enjoying us, uh, enjoying watching the two of us try to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> and also keep up. I mean, that's the, for an audience, it's it's not a sit-back, spoon-fed kind of show. You really, I think, almost immediately going, what? What's going on? So your eyes are open pretty much from the beginning to the end. We're very careful about taking people by the hand and the writing uh, to really, you know, to, to lay out clues along the way as to where you are and, you know, uh, where you are in time. Um, but uh, uh, as in radio, uh, attention is rewarded. And we really wanted to create an experience where uh, the audience members would be active participants in creating the worlds that we're delineating. Yeah. Um, it should be fun, though. And it is. I mean, it's not like, oh, this is a lot of work. It's, it's, it's fun. And nobody's called up from the audience and humiliated. There's no, <laughs> there's no audience participation beyond people using their own imaginations. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That it's, oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. No, no, no. You're going to call me on the stage. My worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, really. Boy. <laughs> as, a, that's, as an actor, I hate, oh, I've gone to see shows myself and they're like, call me. And I'm like. He really, though, I'm the wrong person. You want to call somebody who's like drunk, who, who's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drunk. Yes. So, how long has this been in development? Uh, well, since we first thought of it, about 16 years. But I guess in earnest, I would say eight. Yeah, I'd say eight. It, but it's off and on. You know, there are big chunks of time where neither of us are available. So. You know, we'll 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 kind of put our heads down and, and steam through uh, a couple months, and then you know we would have Robert will go off to France for four months to do a movie, or or um, you know there there are chunks of time missing in that eight years, but. but uh, yeah, it's been written on. But then there were those times when we both were, you know, looking at, you know, tightening the belts and nothing going on. And, yeah. uh, you know, a real joy was meeting at City Diner up at 90th and Broadway or, or in my living room or Daniel's living room. And, you know, um, what if they did this and laughing? Yeah. We had yeah. a blast. Yeah. Yeah. It's been we a real a uh, life raft in the uh, unemployed periods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you bring up one thing that I, that uh, maybe a lot of listeners might be interested in, kind of off topic for a second. But both of you are very successful in what you've done. You've you, you've done a lot, had very good careers. But I also sense that both of you still have to really work really hard to find your next opportunity. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, mean, it, I mean, it's like none of you are like household names yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like people, I, I don't know, are people calling you up left and right? To, no, absolutely own, yeah. not. So what do you do to keep your own careers moving forward and, and find those new projects? What are some of the, and how do you keep motivated on, on the days you get down or, or wondering? Well, this, I mean, this has been a, a remedy for that to some degree. Yeah. I mean, I mean to, this is one thing. To, to make your own work uh, was what we came up with. And uh, we enjoyed each other's company, and I don't think either one of us felt 
I don't know, confident enough, really, to write on our own, although we probably have. I have. Mm -hmm. I know you have. But mm -hmm. um, we found some kind of synergy uh, in doing it together uh, and also comforting each other in those periods where it's not happening. Um, other than that, you know, auditioning and hitting the bricks as far as getting work goes. But the the idea of making our own work um, has been uh, inspiring. And I think also, I mean, you know, it's like also when you're working, you, you know, you do your best and, and you come at everything with an open heart. And, and I derive a real joy from being a, a part of a collective. Um, I love being a part of a company. Uh, I kind of, no matter what... Uh, you know, what size of role I'm playing. I love being, you know, it's like Coast of Utopia. I had little, you know, flashes where I would appear, but the, the thrill of being a member of that 40-member ensemble creating something so majestic, uh, uh, it was as much fun being backstage as on stage. The, the whole gestalt was a wonderful experience. Um, and I think that I think that work breeds work, um, and I, I think also I think as much as pounding the pavements, making connections with the people with whom you're working is is important. Uh, and it's not making connections for the sake of getting ahead. It's making connections because you genuinely enjoy um, human transaction. Yeah. The other thing I, I've never had a gift or talent or maybe not even a desire for the, that thing where you make connections because that's a good idea. I'm not a schmoozer. <laughs> I'm not a schmoozer. I like... I think some people are good at it and I, I, I wish I was. Yeah. And, you know, I... Uh, yeah. And I just... I think just like doing your best. I think yeah. really uh, doing your best and doing your best to get along with others I think really, uh, really will take you a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think both of us are, to some degree, actually shy people. Very. <laughs> I mean, lo love performing and and working on something hard, but uh, I think that keeps me from, you know, getting out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, what has the reaction been to Love Child? Uh, it's already open, correct? Or uh, we're no, opening on Halloween, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did it last year at Primary Stages. We were uh, we. The critics were, uh, for the most part, really, really kind to us and uh, uh, really generous, and audiences were um, enthusiastic. It, we, you know, so we were on a, with this weird off schedule. They were so generous to give us time. We were in rep with uh, a play by Lee Blessing, a great playwright, and we were sharing his set. And uh, gradually, people started to come. And by the end of the run, we were uh, we were sold out and turning people away. And uh, uh, and here we've, we've, I was, you know, it's sort of unnerving. Is anybody going to come? And people have been showing up, and and have been extremely enthusiastic and um, informative and supportive, um, uh, and just in terms of uh, what we get from the audience. It's been yeah, it's been fun actually to go out afterwards, and you know, I'll, I'll see a couple friends, but I'll also you know, make contact with the people I don't know and uh, kind of collar them, buttonhole them and say, okay, uh, okay, did you get lost anywhere? Uh, did you drop out? Uh, was there ever any confusion in a bad way? And and I haven't had anyone say that they've gotten lost or that they've right. been confused. That 
they no mostly, no guy will admit they get lost. Well, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the wife's no, going, here, had, get I out a map. map. <laughs> I had a map right here. No, they've been, they've been uh, um, genuinely enjoying the puzzle and, uh, and solving the puzzle with us. Uh, that's, I think, the biggest part of the fun. Uh, although there's that athletic event part of it, too, that Carl loves so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious, just given the, the onstage, backstage, two-hander nature of the show, I'm wondering where the title Love Child comes from. Oh, it's really interesting. <laughs> we, uh, we both love Chuck Me. I think Chuck Me is uh, one of our greatest playwrights. Um, and Charles L. Mee wrote a series of plays, Big Love, True Love, and First Love, that all were presented... Oh, I'm going to get the date wrong. It was the year the zipper opened. Uh, I want to say 2004, 2005, when we were in the process of writing this. And uh, uh, he, uh, Big Love and True Love... Big Love was, a, uh, was an adaptation of The Suppliant Women by... Uh, Aristarchus. That's not Aristarchus. He was a a mathematician. Um, Not Euripides. No, no. It's no No, coaching from the PR. It's like the first. It's like the first drama. (laughs) The suppliant woman is the first Aeschylus. Aeschylus. It's by Aeschylus. And uh, uh, True Love was an adaptation of Phaedra. And uh, we're dear friends who love each other very much. This is our baby. So, in tribute to Chuck Me, and also uh, sort of as a tribute to our friendship, we named it Love Child. And also, the main character uh, is, uh, am I going to kill anything if I say he's revealed to be a bastard? You just killed it all. Oh, I have no shit. desire to see the show. You know, and actually also in the... The play that we're basing this on uh, also... That's true for the character, the main character. Yeah, and uh, yes, uh, in Ion, the the, the character is a bastard. Uh, he's the result of uh, 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 the rape of uh, the uh, Athenian queen Creusa by the god Apollo. Um, and Diana Ross cut a song called "Love Child," so you know what more do you want? <laughs> so now is this an open-ended run here at New New World Stages? Uh, for now, it's uh, limited, but uh, we're going to see, I guess, how, how, how it goes. Yeah. So, so what's the run then? Uh, well, I would say buy your tickets and try to see it before January 3rd. Yeah, that's our run to the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so January 3rd. Yeah, and it is always eat that out. So, yeah, I just – no dates got written down here in the thing. So I'm going, oh, when does this run until? <laughs> yep, January Halloween 3rd. through the holidays to uh, January 3rd. Yeah. All right. And where can people go to get tickets and find out more information? You can go to lovechildtheplay.com. Which will link you to Ticket Central. You can go to the box office of New World Stages at 340 West 50th Street. Um, We're in Theater 5. Um, It's Telecharge, actually. It's Telecharge? Yeah. Okay, sorry. (laughs) So all those places you can get tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Any parting shots you want to get off here? Um, Come and give us notes. Yeah, come and give us notes. Um, I wish I had your voice. I know. What a great voice. Yeah, it's okay. awesome, Michael. I, I might have a career in voiceovers. It's awesome. I, I'm too, I, I have friends who do voiceover work, and I've just been way too lazy to, to do what they have you to gotta do. you got to pound the pavement. There you go. It's Dude, like about making your own work. you got to get out there, buddy. There, yeah. is, there is gold waiting for you to mine. There's an untapped vein. 
All right. So Robert Stannon and Daniel Jenkins, pleasure to have you stop by. Uh, best of luck with Love Child and... Uh, Hopefully, no guys get lost and you know, That's right. yeah. and have to deny it to the wives. <laughs> right, right, right. Thanks yeah, so we much. wouldn't want to cause it. any domestic strife on the way home. <laughs> Michael, it's really a pleasure. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having us. On the boards. I think a lot of kids' biggest nightmare is running into the room with their parents having sex. Though, imagine finding a whole stockpile of porn at a young age. That's the the basic framework set up for The Accidental Pervert, which opens December 4th and uh, has an open-ended run at this point. And we've got uh, actor-writer Andrew Goffman and director Charles Messina here to talk about the show. How are you guys doing? Hey, Michael. What's up? Very well, Michael. You know, funny... Before you go further, do you want (laughs) to introduce yourself so people can connect your voice with uh, your name? This is Andrew Goffman, and I'm the... uh... This is Charles. (laughs) Okay. Why so high-pitched? Why'd you do that? Well... You know, Are you making fun of me? I, a little. Michael, I have to leave. I'm sorry. I can't oh, stay here. Don't this do is, that. This is Charles Messina, the director of the <laughs> Andrew Goffman coming to you live. Stepped on me. I did. Yeah. On purpose. Stop it. All right. Stop touching me. I'm not. Pervert. Did you hear what Michael said what? when he opened? He said about walking in on your parents. Yeah. I never walked in on them, but when I was six years old, yeah. I overheard my parents doing it. <laughs> and I almost called the cops because... because I thought my dad was hurting my mom. The only time I heard moaning like that was when grandma fell down the stairs. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Now mom's going to need a new hip, too. Are you going to do the whole show? But yeah. People won't come to the show if you do the whole show. That's right. it. I'm so tell us, what is the accidental pervert <laughs> it's about? It's this guy right here. Hey, it's, it's a comedy. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you... Hard. <laughs> That's you got the tagline out of the way. Good, nice, you happy? <laughs> Work this out. Huh? Yeah. Tell, tell, tell him about the show. Tell him. It's it's a boy, a boy, an innocent boy. He finds he he wanders into his dad's bedroom closet and he finds this box in there yes, with his dad's videotapes. And we're not talking masterpiece theater here. No, we're talking pornos. Yeah, pornos. <laughs> That's pretty good. Not bad. It's, yeah, I'm I spend impressed. a lot of time with this guy, Michael. I think it's time the show opens uh, so we can get away from him. Yeah, I spend a lot of time space. watching Harold and Kumar movies. <laughs> I only the first one. I want to see the second one, and I'm going to. It's a really funny show. To answer your question seriously, Michael, it's uh, you know he, this guy does a great job. It's it's funny. It's energetic. It's uh, it's not as perverted as the title might 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 let on. It's uh, it's a real riot. It's um, I mean I wouldn't bring a little kid to see this show, but but you know anyone from eighteen on will really get I would a say kick it's out of this. Tastefully done. It oh, talks about really. adult situations. Yeah. Tastefully, and. Um, yeah, people no. younger than 18 haven't heard about any of this stuff. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, the thing is, we, we talked about this. You know, Michael, in theater, if you have some material that's on the stage and suddenly it's, uh, you know, it gets a little blue, it gets a little funky, and there's like an, an eight, nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid sitting there, it's not even so much that the kid minds. Of course, it's not appropriate, but the, the pe- people don't laugh. <laughs> yeah, they're and all staring the, at the kid. That's the worst thing if people's, people aren't laughing for that reason. So I would say, you know, keep it, keep it over 16 at least just so we can... Uh, you know, so we can do all the, all the jokes. <laughs> Everybody can be comfortable. We'll comfortable. be like one big family, yeah. and we'll all hand out trench coats at the end. We've got to hand them out it's, uh, because there's mess sometimes at the end. <laughs> it's, it, there's also, there are so many sound cues, videos, light 
You're telling me? <laughs> Who are you telling this to? I'm, I'm telling the people. Is. I'm, I'm telling the fans. The, the, oh, the fans, yeah. The, um, right. the, it's a lot going on. Right, they know. They've and, been to uh, theater before. They know that there's lights and stuff. It's me. <laughs> I didn't know. It's like, wow. Andrew discovered there's that lights. in our last tech. But, uh, yes. Yeah. He there's does a great job. You, you, I'm going to say something serious because, you know. No, don't Michael, do that. he does a great job because, it. you know, the material is, you know, somewhat blue. There's a lot of funny stuff here, but he, he's such an aw shucks kind of guy that he can get away with anything. So it, it really works out, and, and people like taking the journey with him, you know. So, what was the, the inspiration behind creating the show? It's based loosely on my life, and I had a similar experience when I was growing up, and I learned from it and I wanted to share my story. Yeah. I feel like it's a story worth sharing. Yeah. It's based loosely on his life and heavily on everybody else's because <laughs> there isn't anybody who comes to see the show because we did a run of this show in 2005 at the Triad Theater up on 72nd Street in you 2006. Know, 2006. Sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, you could. That was good. And uh, there weren't, you know, how many people came over to us and said, oh my God, I found my... That was my life. Friend. That was my life. You oh, were man. talking about up there on stage. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, so universal theme of finding porno and ruining your life. <laughs> we did have a problem with the props. There's still one prop we're not able to work out. We're working that out, though. You yeah. don't have to bring that up. Why do you well, because maybe well, we maybe could get some help. Well, maybe by the time help. this airs, we would have worked it out. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> don't bring it up. Well, it's just a hydraulic issue. You're going to ruin the show. All right. I'm not going to talk about it. Talking about the fake penis. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, everything else is ready to go. We can say penis on the show. Yeah, I can. It's again, I have a certain (laughs) moral ethical standard that I abide by. Prosthetic penis. And I will not say that word. And nor do I throughout the whole show. He doesn't say penis. No, you do say penis. When? Yeah. Her nipple was as big as my penis. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's out. If you'd memorize your lines, you'd remember that. Now, just before we started, just before we started <laughs> the interview, funny. you mentioned that the character, I don't know if this is you or just the character in some research, but you mentioned the real locale that he's from, which all adds up to a big bad joke. Oh, where he's from Blue Ball, Pennsylvania. <laughs> he was born in 1969. Actually, Blue Ball is about six or seven minutes away from Intercourse. True. PA. True. If, if you Google it, you will see that's a fact. It's about an hour outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. And I lived on Woodcock Lane. <laughs> can't make this stuff up, right? No, you can't. How could yes. it not be a show? And, <laughs> and it just kind of went from there. Perfect. Yeah. You were born a pervert. Well, I had some help along the way. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I like it. I'm, I like it. No, I'm, no, it's, I'm spe- I got nothing left listen, to say. Listen, no, some you I do. You have a lot left to say. Stop that. Come see the show. There's a. Uh, It'll make you laugh. No, don't do that again. <laughs> Let him ask a question. All right. Should we get in a fight? Well, <laughs> no. you and Michael. Yeah, hey, there's on, one, Michael? one one man show, right? Right. Uh, there's a couple different you know fields of thought with one man shows. There's the crazy play twenty characters. There's monologue, you know, reminiscing kind of things. What what's the structure? What's the layout of your show? Oh, it's just me. I can't do voices. No. I can't do anything else. It's just me, monotone. I even hold my notes and just read the whole time. <laughs> He's not telling the truth. A couple people put their head down. They yeah. take a little nap, but no, they come happened. around. Yeah. Uh, no, there, there's, there's several characters. The characters are intermixed throughout the show. There's with lighting and sound. Yeah, no, no, he does a great job. I mean, he Andrew does himself. He does his dad. He does his mom. He does his, you know, his teacher. He, I mean, he does. A, There's Kathy. Stu- any number of girls who are involved in his life. I mean, Nettie. he's Nettie. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's a he's a whiz up there, and he's really really good at making each character very distinctive and. Uh, 
you know, he doesn't realize how much of an actor he is. He came into this as a stand-up comedian, but he left as an actor. So he did. He does a great job. So Charles, what, is, what has been the biggest challenge for you as director here? Dealing Besides with him, reining dealing him in. with this fun. Um, <laughs> uh, oh man! You know, honestly, I'm it's sweating. Andrew, can you come down to the ceiling? Please? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is, I would be lying if I didn't say this was a comedy. I mean, straight up comedy, funny, funny, funny. But but truth be told, there there is a serious element to this to the story, and it's actually one that drew me to it. Was that you know Andrew found this box, you know, and then. You know, his father, his parents divorced, and then his father, some years later, passed away. And so, in a lot of ways, this is a story about a son trying to understand who his father really was. And one of the only real clues that he has for piecing this together is that that box of tapes. And and that journey was very familiar to me. I mean, I think familiar to a lot of people. Like, who who are your parents? You know, and uh, so that theme, which which runs through the show, is a you know very heartfelt and very honest and really it's very a dramatic, love story. Yeah, a very dramatic theme. It's a love story. It's a love story about yes, a man and is. his father. That's true. But it is on yep. some level. It really he was is a great a, guy. It's a story about a man and his, uh, trying to understand who his father was, and that really drew me to it more than anything. And the challenge was while we're doing all these crazy jokes and it's zany at times, you know, remembering to to bring it back to that that very. Uh, core element that I think Andrew wanted to get across in the show. I also think that in covering that era of time, being born in 69, mm-hmm. that a lot of this stuff happened in the 70s, and there was the invention the of 80s. the VCR yeah. Yeah. in the 80s, where nobody had a VCR, and how that affected and oh, changed yeah. people. Totally. Whereas in today's generation, they have Computer. the internet, and yeah. now how that affected people, Absolutely. with the same problem or the same experience yeah. of seeing certain yeah. things that they shouldn't see. But with the common denominator being that kids, you know, want to experiment with sex. You know, they, they want to, they, they have exposure to it. They want to see it. They, the curiosity factor is there. So you can it's change. It's unnatural for kids to have any curiosity about sex until they hit 18. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <I> <laughs> Unfortunately. But, but when you start watching this stuff, either on video or on the computer, and you're still so innocent, and it, it really, it takes your innocence away, and you start fantasizing about all these different situations that you would have never thought possible yeah. before seeing these. Yeah. And I, I mean, that does happen as you get older, but if it happens when you're too young and then too soon, it can really affect the way you have relationships, the way you deal with women and with with your significant other. I mean, in this show, we're dealing with a kid who discovers the, the box at 11, right? I mean, so, yeah. you know, and that, that's probably Which, not uncommon. It, not in this day and age. I think they're... Maybe even younger. Who knows? Right. Yeah. yeah. And what, that, what effect that has, you know, they learn, uh, you learn about sexuality in a way that maybe is... I don't know. I don't want to say unhealthy because that's not maybe fair to use no, that. No, but I'll give you an example. Like one of the first tapes I ever found was called Laid Service. Mm. And we had a cleaning lady. Yeah. And I started looking at her a lot differently you after watching it, yeah. that movie. Right. And I was waiting for my opportunity to yeah. seize on. So anyway, it, right. and, and I never thought of her that way until I saw the movie. Yeah. And then I was... Making yeah. my room messy. So, like say, when, when getting dates, you don't go to bars, you knock on people's doors and pretend to be the cable repairman? Yeah, it's nice. Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of stories like that in the show. Oh, yeah. 100%, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, but, you know, the this, this show has some serious points to be made, but in the end, if people want to have a good time and laugh, they'll come down to the theater and check it out because Andrew's, uh, he's a piss. It's a funny show. So, just on, you know, last note there, Charles, when did you get involved in this? Uh, Ooh, so I got involved in this when we did it. Andrew was was accepted into a festival. What was that? Two thousand. That was two thousand five. Yeah. That was the end of two thousand five. That was a backyard barbecue for your family, not a festival. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Just so you know. Practically, practically. What I think are you it was on the say, Michael. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that would have been that would have been an upgrade from this festival. Uh, no, it was a nice festival. It was down here at Primary Stages, and uh, and Andrew wanted to do this show, and it, it was basically this show, but it was the the kernel of this show. I don't think that. It was, you know what happened? what happened? I I applied for this festival. I filled in the application. I sent it in, mm. and I got accepted. Yeah. And I said, okay, it's next now month. Now I got to write a show. And I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. And I asked him. I said, does anybody know any directors? Because yeah. I got to do something. And he yeah. said, oh, Charles. And yeah. and oh, I but you. That's not a hundred percent sure. You had a script. I mean, this this, this thing was. And wasn't in the same shape that's in now. We've had a run of it. This is the second run. But, it, you know, he always had that, that, that kernel of truth to the story, which is a story about a kid who finds this box and then everything that, that, that uh, you know, sort of follows after that. So, yeah, he, he, Andrew approached me about directing it for the fest, and I did. And I think it did very nicely at the festival. We had a nice yeah, run there. Except and for when I forgot my lines. He did forget his lines Remember once. I was just pacing back and forth, this acting fuck, like I was supposed to clean the stage. Yeah, it was hysterical. He had a full 30-second <laughs> meltdown on stage the first night he ever did the show. But then it came to me. Like he a just, vision. He just started cleaning. The, the set of the show is like a you know, lazy boy chair and like a TV, like a living room setup. Because I got and, uh, very good direction while I was up there. If you forget a line, move. Mm-hmm. Just keep moving. So I was, Just yeah, don't leave. Wax he, on, wax off. I have no to tell you the intended. truth. When, when that That's, happened, Michael, I, uh, I was up in a booth watching. And, you know, it went quiet, awkwardly quiet. <laughs> and uh, I said to myself and to the lighting person, what the fuck is he doing? And, and I couldn't look, so I actually dropped to my knees behind. I didn't want to look. Well, that didn't sound and, right. Uh, no, but no, no, just to hide. I just was just hiding. Okay. Not, and uh, and the right. and the sound guy said he's he's cleaning the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, it could be, could be doing a lot worse. So right. about twenty seconds later, words came out of your mouth, and I I rose. And I said, oh, my God, what the fuck? But you know what? And did you see how clean the room was? Lovely. That stage was spotless. Spotless, spotless. Yes. And, and but, you know, we didn't lose the audience. And that's what made me think, oh, wow, you know, even though he totally went up on his line, uh, lines, probably dropped about 20 minutes of the show, uh, <laughs> it was still, you had the laughs, you had the applause, you had their attention after that. And uh, that was like our first show ever. I mean, uh, but that, that, was, uh, that was a funny experience early on. So we did the yeah, fest. That was great. And then, and then, and then, uh, then Andrew kept at it, and uh, we did we a run tw- of we did a little. We tweaked it, and then we got a run of it at the Triad in '06. We so had yeah. some sounds, lots of sounds and lights, mm-hmm. and then uh, bells and whistles. Yeah, well, bells, bells. No, 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 we did the bells going and for something here. We did. It's hot with these headphones. No, it's nice. Really? I like it, yeah. I'm sweating. And uh, okay. yeah, so in '06 we did it at the Triad. Had a nice run of it, and then uh, Andrew just uh, doesn't think the world is perverted enough. He wants to keep at it, so he contacted me about nine months ago and said, "We're going to get perverted again. We're going to do it all over again." I said, "Very but, good." You know, it's got a message. This it's Christmas, not just about being perverted. And Michael, There's how do you like this? How do you like this, Michael? This Christmas. Get perverted. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hear the message. There's a, there's a, it's enlightening. It comes full circle at the end, which I can't tell you now. It really does. No, but, it really does. But, I know. Yeah, it's, it's to make a point. Everybody's got at least one story to tell. You got your own story. This, this is mine. This is yours. This is it. This is, this is my. I put everything into it. You can come check it out in just an hour and a half. You know, you'll get can the I whole story. I want to say something. I want, I want to tell Michael this guy and everybody listening because what's cool about this show and what, what was one of the discoveries that I feel like I made in the last run of it was that women love this show. You know, it's very much about a man who finds these, you know, these tapes and his sort of sexual 
you know, adolescence is is confused and uh, you know all that. But but how how do you feel this way? Oh, a lot of yeah. women love the they, show. They were saying thanks for sharing. Now we know what it's like to yeah. be a guy. Maybe so. Maybe know. that's the thing. But the bigger but they the biggest wouldn't shake my hand. No, I wouldn't shake your hand. Well, but, that's understood. Right. But I, you know what they do. But they definitely women, like it. Don't you feel that that women I are do. really into this show? I feel it because it's done tastefully. Very. very. It, it, it's it's. In a tricky situation that's handled tastefully, yep. and they appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, maybe they like you. Maybe you're not too hard know. on the eye. No, it might no, be you. Uh, Don't underestimate yourself. Uh, yeah, all right. Really well, can. before we wrap up here, really quick, let's make sure we get all the information out so people know how to find the show. Oh, please. Uh, you guys are playing at the the Players Theater. That's yes, the, one. the Players Theater. And I believe you have a website, don't you? Yes. Yes, we do. And Would you like the honors? Uh, www.theaccidentalpervert.com. All right. You Should guys just spell it? December 4th. December 4th. You know, Michael, before we go, can I say something about the Players Theater? Okay. It is in a, an amazing location. Not only do you have Cathy Wah on one side, you have the Comedy Cellar on the other, which yeah. are two of the most popular clubs. Friday, Saturday night, the place is going crazy. Yeah, it's the heart We're, of Greenwich Village. It's the heart of the... Yes, you said that well. Yeah. We are right in between those two places. Yeah. Not only can you check out our show, you're like then set for the night because yeah, you're right bars. there. they got falafels down the yeah, street. You're going to have a falafel, pizza. Michael. But it if you had done it here in Times Square, you would have been near more porn shops. But we're moving on up, Michael. We're moving on up. We're coming here later. <laughs> but, but tell, the, tell them uh, how to order tickets before Michael throws us at you. Yeah. Oh, Theater Mania. Yeah. Go to Theater Mania. The Accidental Pervert. But I just want to say how quiet how nice the Players Theater is. Good, and good people down there. Carlo and Christy good. and Michael, good job. And Thank you if you're ever looking for a perfect place to do an off-Broadway show, the Players Theater. Yeah, but we're going to be there a while, so you, it's not available at least until 2014. <laughs> That's right. But, but uh, you can go to Theater Mania. Theatermania.com. Dot com. Or, like visit, or visit The Accidental Pervert. The Accidental Pervert. The Accidental Pervert. We, we should link that up. That's you. Mania. That's, that's, that's Oh, yeah. That's you. You could, you could even do Accidental Pervert. You could do it. And I even took, I think, the spelling, if you do Accidental with one C. Yeah, don't do Pervert. In case you're though, dyslexic. You know, I was dyslexic growing up. Really? Yeah, you know those street signs in the middle of the road? Mm. I used to think you're supposed to ride your bike in there. Yeah. It's a little... Well, you know, I'm not one of the straight men anymore. Michael, I have to go. I still haven't figured out what a 96 is. Look what he does to me. Dyslexic joke. All right. I Charles Messina. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Andrew Goffman. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Good luck with the show. It sounds fascinating. And thanks for coming by. Best of luck. Thanks, Yeah. Michael. The accidental pervert. Listening room. Hi, guys. It's Dan Fortune bringing you the lush and lively segment of this episode of Broadway Bullet. I host a monthly DJ show at the Time Out in New York Lounge at New World Stages where I find interesting versions of show tunes and pop songs and kind of present the music in a different way than you're used to. You can find out more at lushandlively.net or email me at dan at lushandlively.net. I'm very excited that we're going back to the disco era for this uh, little segment. 1979 was the height of disco. You had I Love Lucy disco theme. There were two different Sesame Street albums, Mickey Mouse disco. So it shouldn't be too surprising that the musical theater was also represented on disco. The Avita whole score was recorded, as was Hair, which is what we're going to talk about today. There's an album from 1979 called Hair Disco Spectacular, which was trying to cash in on the, uh, the movie of Hair, which was relatively recent at that time. Warren Schatz was the producer of this album, and so the Warren Schatz Orchestra is uh, credited for this really fun track. 
He worked with Vicky Sue Robinson, who was a big disco star, and lots of other people of the era. It's uh, really fun to hear this song done with percussions and vocals and the repetition and the new beat. It's a lot of fun. Here is Easy to Be Hard, disco style.
to be hard the disco version from the hair disco spectacular circa 1979 this is from an LP I actually took it from the LP onto my laptop directly you cannot get this on CD but if you google it I imagine there will be some place you can download it online it's a really fun track so it's worth hunting down uh, thanks again for being with me this is Dan Fortune for your lush and lively segment on Broadway Bullet. You can find out more information at lushandlively.net or email me at dan at lushandlively.net. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next time. On the boards. Penang is a Vietnam War drama that is written by playwright James LaRocca, and uh, actor Peter Sabri last year took a, a Best Acting Prize, I believe Supporting Actor, in the Midtown Festival, and the show is back here for a run in New York, and we have got the writer, James LaRocca, as well as that award-winning actor, Peter Sabri, here with us today. How are you guys doing? Doing Good. well. How, How are you doing, Good. You want to introduce yourself so our listeners can connect the voice with the name? Sure. Jim? I was going to say the guy with the really good voice is the actor. <laughs> That's Peter Sabri, who is one of the great developing actors here in New York and who does a lot of good voice work. As so you he develops hear. film as well as actors? Um, I think he develops his career. <laughs> hey, I hustle, man. I'm out there hustling. you got to do it all, right? Uh, yeah, I'm Peter Sabri. I'm playing uh, the character of Luke DeLuca in this uh, great play written by Jim. And, uh, yeah, we're coming back to it for a round two, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. All right, so well, first off, tell us a little bit about uh, what is Penang. I'll Penang is actually a place. It's an island in the uh, Malacca Straits in the Indian Ocean. And Wait, are you looking at Wikipedia? No. <laughs> <laughs> this I guy's should, a wealth. I should, I should put an entry in there, shouldn't I? Uh, Penang, in the time of the setting of this play, was a very small uh, former British colony, a uh, mix of Chinese, Indian, and, and uh, uh, Malay people. Uh, and it was an R&R site, rest and recreation site, for soldiers in Vietnam. It was one of the smaller, lesser-known places. So at any given time, there might be no more than 100 American servicemen of one kind or another on the island uh, resting and recreating. 
And so that's the name of the play, and it uh, uh, the play focuses on a relationship that develops between two servicemen, one Army guy, one Navy guy, on their R&R in Penang. And what kind of relationship is this? Peter? <laughs> this is a theater show, you know? It's like a... Yeah, yeah. Peter will tell you. Peter, Peter is in that relationship. He can tell you. Well, you know, I think it's these two guys are... Uh, you know, one is is being sent uh, on R&R. It's really out of need because he's, you know, been in it and just had this traumatic event that's really sort of sent him over the edge. And the other guy is this sort of fun-loving wreck officer, that's me, who um, is also on R&R. And so it's sort of... Uh, but also has his own... His own sort of dark issues surrounding the war. You know, he has issues, he has problems with the fact that he's a wreck officer, while all these other young guys that are surrounding him are out there getting killed in the field. So, you know, uh, both of them sort of are coming and meeting at a point in time where they both really need this other person in their life to sort of help them move forward. Um, and uh, at first, it's sort of just a really uh, light sort of you know. They sort of, they sort of just are palling around and kind of seeing the island together. So, and then it sort of hits a, a level, a dark, a deeper level of friendship where they're really sort of bearing uh, their their deeper secrets of what they're sort of carrying around with them as they're in the midst of this chaos. And you know, so I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> uh, what type of I'm looking at the press release here, and I'm wondering if they, if you guys bear more than your deepest secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, as I tried to tell um, a couple of the actors who've been involved in this play before, uh, you know, this is about a couple of guys, a relationship. It's like a buddy flick for at least part of it. And um, not surprisingly, um, people are occasionally out of their pants. Uh, But in terms of what all that means, the most naked guy on stage is the playwright. Yeah. Are, Are you in the show too? No, no. <laughs> oh, 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 clever and figurative. Oh, we, we, we need way to too early in the, the morning for we, me. We're going to give him a minute, Peter. He'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll figure it out. Um, but um, it does focus on the relationship and my uh, intent as a writer, whether it's realized or not, will <laughs> be in the judgment of others, is to really examine the relationships that form uh, among guys in war. And um, the intensity of that is um, very high, uh, very real. And I think most people who've experienced war, not just in the John Wayne movie sense of sitting next to or standing next to one another in actual combat, but in the whole environment of it, know after a while that the only thing that really counts is the other guy. Um, Your government, 10,000 miles away, uh, making decisions for good or bad reasons, translated all the way down the chain of command. It may cost you your life or your friend's life or um, whatever. And uh, after a while, you realize the only one you can really depend on is the other guy. So what was your inspiration in, in, in writing the play? Were, were you part of the... the I, was, I was in service in Vietnam, and uh, I've been bothered all of my adult life by the treatment of Vietnam in, mostly in film. Um, It hasn't been treated on stage as much as it has been in film. And there's been a recurrent theme that goes all the way back to the first movies of a platoon and casualties of war, apocalypse now, full metal jacket, you go right on down the list. 
in which the essential battle that is described is between American soldiers. Um, in every one of the movies I just mentioned, the heart of the story, the heart of the uh, theme, is that the Americans are really killing each other and hurting one, one another. They're turning, turning on one another. And I think those movie makers intend to show that war is such a, a dehumanizing experience that the people in it not only uh, become dehumanized, but they turn on one another. And most people I know that have had the experience, and myself included, have the very opposite view. What is remarkable about what happens to people in war is that they do retain their humanity, and they do it by finding support and strength in one another. And the um, drama— well, That's not a politically correct morality tale. <laughs> but it's true. But it's exactly true. And and the drama, of course, and Hollywood being the kind of place that one guy makes the movie where, hey, the real good story is here. They kill the sergeant or whatever. Uh, and then it gets repeated 12 times until the next big story comes along. And um, I'm seeing echoes of that now in the treatment of Iraq, uh, the Iraq War, uh, the movie uh, In the Valley of Elah is about the utter deconstruction of these guys who eventually kill each other for sport, that they have so been robbed of their humanity and their perspective, they've become totally sociopathic. And maybe that happens. Maybe it has happened. But when the popular media portray it that way, it instructs a new, new generation that war is about that, and my experience and what I try to say, hopefully, with some clarity in this play, is it's really the very opposite that's the story. And the story is that the generosity, the, in my view, the love that eventually flows between people who serve together, even if they don't even know each other's names, is really the larger story. You know, every uh, war story from World War II, uh, stories you hear about people winning congressional medals, some guy throws himself on a grenade. Well, what is that? If that's not an act of love, what is it? Mm. A guy would kill himself for a bunch of people whose names he doesn't even know. So that's the story of war. And what this play tries to do is examine two individuals caught in this mega event and how they struggle to retain their humanity, to be generous and good to one another. And uh, hopefully it works. Great. On a, on a slightly different topic, I, I often, uh, you know, I'm assuming not, neither of you yet are, are full-time making your living full-time as a performer's writers yet, correct? Well, I, or, let's or, put it this or, way. My daughter... So I always like to ask for the, for other aspiring artists in the thing, yeah. what, what it is also you do, you know, day-to-day -day as your day job to kind of support yourself and allow yourself the freedom to do the theater. Mm. Uh, so... Peter, I'm kind of curious. Well, I've done, you know, years of restaurant work, the cliched, you know, <laughs> waiter uh, position. But I, you know, I'm, I said before that, you know, I'm hustling and it's a joke, but it's kind of true. You do whatever. I mean, I do. What's I have, the craziest thing you've done? 
the craziest thing. Okay, so last year, and I actually filled Jim in on this, I got hired for a day to go out and do a motion capture shoot, which I had no idea what that meant when I said, sure, I'll do it. I just said, you know, okay, the rate sounds good. And I get there, and what I actually was doing was it was one of those studios where you put on one of those, like, Lycra suits and put all the sensors on you, and then they, they were creating a video game. So I was actually playing, I think... Captain America or Iron Man as we were kind of creating the movements and the blocking for a video game. That was a moment where I was like, huh, definitely not what I envisioned when I went to NYU for undergrad and, you know, paid all that money for a a BFA. But, hey, you know, you do what you got to do. I mean, I do voiceover. I do print. I do, you know, I've done some television, this, you know, a lot of theater. But you do whatever. I mean, right now I'm not waiting tables, but... I certainly may be there, you know, next time we next time we talk, who knows, you know. And uh James, do you have a day job to support your playwriting habit? Well, be very kind not to point out to your listeners that I'm a geezer. So um, <laughs> uh I've been around a bit, so I'm at the tail end of a lot of the uh, stories about how you support yourself. But my daughter has told me that uh, as an aspiring playwright, if that was the only thing in my life, I would be waiting tables out there with everybody else <laughs> because this has not been exactly, exactly remunerative. Although I did get paid uh, a rather decent uh, uh, check a few years ago uh, directing. So I also do some directing, which occasionally brings in a check. Yeah. But my careers were in other yes. uh, what, is, what is your day job, so to speak? Well, I, I'm a lawyer by training, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm uh, not a good person. Um, And I had a long career in government and politics. I'm a five-time cabinet officer in New York. I even ran for governor one time in 1998. But nobody knows that except members of my family and about six other people around the state. I was the best candidate and came in with the lowest number. Uh, And the people in their wisdom chose someone else. But wait, doesn't government supposed to hate the arts here? <laughs> I know. It's ah, right. another another misconception. You're thinking of uh, government when it's in the hands of the other party. <laughs> uh. All right. So when does uh, Penang run? Penang runs from the 5th of November to the 22nd of November. The Workshop Main Stage Theater on 36th Street. It is in Theatermania, theatermania.com, and in the Gold Club of Theatermania. And it's posted all over town on the various websites. And um, it's a nice little theater. It's um, done as an equity showcase. We have a very strong equity cast, uh, including Peter. And um, the young, we should say a word about the young man that Peter plays against uh, or opposite in the key relationship here. Another very, very gifted young actor. And what I've seen in the course of these rehearsals is. particularly something like this where you need a certain symmetry in the uh, between the characters and the quality of the acting and the level of the engagement. And uh, these two actors are beautifully matched in this thing. And they're both uh, in the process of it showing generosity to the other and all the things we need. And so I watch it every day, and it's getting richer and richer, and it is, I think, in very nice shape for opening. Peter, are you welling up? I am. I mean, I, I got nothing. It's I'm totally speechless. Just keep on trucking, Jim. Anything else you want to offer, you know? All right. So any other parting shots you want to get off here before we wrap up? Well, thank you for this. This is my first podcast. I'm very excited. I mean, 
other generations are used to this, but I'm just learning the. Uh, well, that's because you're a geezer. And I brought, <laughs> I, listen. I've got a BlackBerry in my pocket and a mobile phone, and I can't even get the two of them to talk to one another. <laughs> so this is very exciting. BlackBerry and a mobile phone usually is one thing. No, 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 no. no. I, have, I have one of each. <laughs> there's the there's your problem. clearly there's the problem. <laughs> All right. Well, um, James LaRocca and Peter Sabri, thank you so much for Sabri, right? Sabri, you got it. Sabri. Thank you so much for stopping by and wish you the best of luck in Penang. Thanks so much. And we'll say the name again Penang. (laughs) Broadway Abridged Live when you just don't have three and a half hours for a show. Broadway Abridged presents West Side Story Abridged, or High School Spanish Musical. With a special thanks to Google Translate. Scene, the streets of New York. Enter Arthur Lawrence's new, tough, gritty, realistic versions of West Side's white gang members. See, I was certainly slightly less limp than those of the original cast. And Hispanic gang members. They shimmy their hard dancer-like shoulders. Mas... Mas. Which they press up against each other. Harder. Oh, adios mios. Singing words like... When the spit hits the fan. And... Mother-loving streets. Just like the gangs you know. Hey, what if we got Tony to join our gang? Tony enters blandly. Yes, he even enters blandly. Did I hear my name? Could you rejoin our gang to make us tougher? Why? Does someone who looks like a J.Crew model help your gang seem tougher? Scene, a high school gymnasium. The 30-something-year-old Jets and Sharks are hanging out in high school gymnasiums at night. Just like the gangs you know. We hate you, Sharks. We hate you. Espanol, Espanol, es muy Espanol. I'm old man Arthur Lawrence, and I find this wonderfully relevant. Tony and Maria meet by convenience of choreography. Hey. Hola, Senor Abercrombie y Elfich. Hey, I know you's from somewhere. Why do you seem so familiar to my true love's heart? Usted me conoce desde el YouTube. El YouTube! Oh, you speak it so beautifully. I am instantly in ridiculous young love at first sight. Como que Shakespeare escribe en Romeo y Juliet? Que made sense porque Romeo y Juliet están 16 and 14 respectively, oh? Maria! I just met a girl named Maria! Uh... Maria, Maria... Maria! See? Wow, I sorry, I kind of ran out of lyrics there. Maybe we could have made up for that if we had some of that cool hip daddy-o chemistry whiz-bang stuff I hear so much about, Pops. Oh, Tony, every time you speak another Lawrenceism, I fall ever more deeply in love with you. Scene, a balcony, because you're too stupid to get the parallels. Oh, Eltonio, Eltonio, donde estas thou, Eltonio? Maria! Eltonio! He joins her on the biggest frickin' fire escape ever devised by man. Tonight, as suns and moons. Maria, tonight. Maria, the world is a star. I loved you. There's only you tonight. I love you. And you're the only thing I seize, etc., etc. Y el resto? We flash forward to... 30 years later, what their life would have been like if they had ended up married. The world is full of light. It's claro that we've never really had very much to talk about. All the world is using me, Maria. Yeah, cuando the kids grow up, I'm divorcing you. Maria, Maria, tonight, 30 years ago, I just met a girl named Maria. Frankly, I'm surprised we had enough sexual energy to get a bun in my oven. Scene, the one where everybody sings the song cool. Enter the white gang members. They snap in unison a lot. Then they snap even harder. Then they leave. Scene. 
More of Maria and Tony being in love for some reason. Tony enters. Tony, the gangs are fighting tomorrow. I want you to single-handedly bring their years of fighting to an end, Jean, one evening. I'll do that for you later, so long as we can have an awkward dream ballet right now. See, si, I'll just hold up this convenient bride mannequin and wear the veil. And I'll just hold up this groom mannequin and wear the top hat. And we'll totally ignore the fact that you've started a gang, but now you're playing with dolls. Scene, under a rather impressive highway set. A random tomboy hangs around to watch and marvel how awesome gangs are. Because tomboys and dramatic works are always ridiculous. We're gonna kill all of you. We're gonna kill all of you. They fight. La, Ella. La. Uh, no, no, not like how people fight in a musical. They actually fight. <coughs> Scene. Maria's apartamente. Oh, Anita, estoy muy happy. Oh, I feel pretty. I feel... Yay! Imagine if we performed an entire scene in a language that this white bread audience hasn't spoken since high school. That really happens. Siento hermosa, siento hermosa y ingeniosa y brillante. Okay, that's just weird. Why? Everybody knows what happens in the scenes. It's West Side Story. Sure, we'll just tell people to see a high school production of West Side to bone up on their foreign language Broadway version. Just like people went to see high school productions of Guys and Dolls when they realized how the recent revival had the nuance of a 16-bit Sega game. And some of the digital backgrounds, too. Ah, ah, ah. Scene. Fields of green. Scene. Fields of green. <sighs> Everybody is living in peace and happiness and harmony. We are either in the musical's second dream ballet or a Claritin commercial. Who the heck are you, little boy? I represent innocence or your unborn love child. Hey, weren't you in nine? By nine, do you mean village of the damned? Then yes. Now have sex and conceive me! Wow, creepy. Scene. One of the most important plot points that everything turns on. Un muchacho como ese, quien había matado a tu hermano, olvidate de ese muchacho y encontrar otro, una su propia especie. Anita, no, 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 es cierto, no para mí, es cierto, usted no para mí, es palabras. Holy crap, apparently you've accidentally switched to the Telemundo channel again, where they're playing some of those hideous, overacted soap operas where she don't understand what's going on. Oh, no, wait a second, aren't you in a theater? Scene. A pharmacy. Old man who owns the soda shop, you need to go downstairs so you don't see us doing more gang-like things, like playing a jukebox and drinking strawberry phosphates, whatever those are. All right, but I'm going to do it because it says to do it in the script, not because I find a single damn one of you anywhere in the realm of threatening. Shut up, old man. Yeah? Well, why don't you go drink a beer? Enter Anita. I am here with a mispronounce. A misdelivered message for Tony, so the two romantic leads don't have to take medicine or pretend they're dead or anything. Ah, ah, ah. Hey, Arthur Lawrence, can I smoke some pot? No, you can't. Can I say a cuss word? No, that's inappropriate. Can we attempt to rape her? Yeah, that's perfectly fine. They do, because the one thing that was definitely missing from West Side Story was rape. Scene. The ending. Tony is dead. Como utilizar esta arma? Are there enough bullets in here para ti? 
Maria melodramatically waves a gun in the air while speaking more unintelligible Spanglish. If Rusted, will there be sufficient day for me? Enter Officer Krupke. I hate the Hispanic gang members more than the white gang members. But that's not all the reason. I have no idea what's going on right here. Well, this Hispanic chick's got this gun. A Hispanic girl's holding a gun! Enter 30 policemen who open fire on Maria. He then opens fire on Arthur Lawrence. But I'm so old. <laughs> You're right. What a senseless waste of bullets. Blackout. West Side Story Abridged didn't just translate itself. It was danced by these great voiceover actors. Me llamo Stephen Olander e... I'm appalled by the number of homosexuals on Broadway. Me llamo Jack Hoverman e... I want to be discovered on Argentinian YouTube. Me llamo Randall Meal e... My gang has better choreography. Me llamo Rachel Pincus e... I love Jewel. Especially because they are circumcised. Estoy Gilberto Verode e... Estoy un artiste de ripoff. Curtain call. Well, that wraps up Broadway Bullet Volume 324. If you want to find out more information about any of the shows that we talked about here, you can just go to our website at broadwaybullet.com. Also, uh, be on the lookout. I'll let you know when it is available. But we have put up all six of the Broadway abridged episodes up on iTunes for you to get and share with all your friends and listen over and over again without a podcast being tacked around either side. So uh, we're looking forward to that release. And uh, we're going to be the fourth Thursday of, uh, of uh, the month, which will be the episode will come out on Thanksgiving. Yes, yes, yes. The 26th will be our next episode. Uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. The hairs went up on the back of my neck. The Broadway So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And, if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. 
If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.